Welcome to the IEEE Rebooting Computing Podcast, an IEEE Future Directions Digital Studio production. What is the IEEE Rebooting Computing Initiative? We interviewed Ali Track, the initiative's co-chair and CEO of Invisix, to answer that question. While this podcast installment offers the why behind the organization's existence, Mr. Track takes us through an array of computing technologies that can take the industry beyond its current limitations. One of those options is neuromorphic computing, using the human brain as a blueprint to change the current computing paradigm. Efficiency is the main concern, and Mr. Track uses his experience with superconducting electronics to examine the various projections and possibilities for new computing frontiers. So IEEE first is the place for initiating rebooting computing only because it is made up of volunteers and societies that cut across all the specific areas of electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, or all the engineering that is needed for rebooting computing. Um, what it is, is in our opinion, and it is shared by many of the volunteers and many of the world community, a necessary uh, focused activity that brings together um, specialists from various disciplines that are part of computing, devices, circuits, systems, applications, algorithms, um, uh, architectures, that have to now work not, not anymore independently as they used to, but work jointly in order to see what the next generation of computers is. And this is clearly prompted by the acknowledged and expected end of Moore's Law, which is exponential scaling of the number of devices on a chip. And that uh, is, has been, had been predicted in the past and was overcome by various ingenious techniques for fabrication, but has reached now fundamental physical limits and even economic limits that has made it generally accepted that that kind of scaling is no longer going to continue. Now, um, combine that with the fact that the performance of computers need to continue to scale exponentially because big data is scaling at even higher than exponential rates. There are many applications that need to crunch more and more numbers, uh, improved weather prediction, improved earthquake predictions. There are even military applications, which are important to many nations, that require uh, continued exponential scaling in the computing power, in the computing uh, capabilities. And so the current technology is no longer going to scale. The need is there. So how, how, what are we going to do? Uh, we have two choices. We can say, okay, we're no longer going to scale, just like in commercial aviation, Mark 1, speed of sound became the limit at one time. We had the Concorde, but that was worked only for a while, and then it's no longer on the market. And we can say, okay, we're going to find different ways to live within the constraints of that level of computing and nothing better. Um, the general consensus is that is not going to be acceptable because of the amount of data that's being generated by everybody. Somehow you have to manipulate it. You can, and, and therefore, there's the need for rebooting computing is, has been acknowledged. What IEEE has done is um, come up with a, um, with, a, with a symbol for rebooting computing and try to put in place sort of the crystal seed around which rebooting computing activities are going to coalesce and bring together the disparate disciplines. Um, like my co-chair, Tom Conti, likes to say, this is an activity that's soup to nuts. Uh, this is an activity that's um, holistic, multifaceted, 
and it requires bringing together experts from those different fields to work together. Um, pursuing better devices by themselves, better architecture by itself, independent of having a cross-fertilization, we don't believe it's going to cut it. Has not hap has not worked. Has worked in the past up to a certain level, but now uh, you need you need more. And more importantly, we believe that this cross-fertilization is probably going to be fertile ground for more creative approaches that have not been thought of before. Um, uh, and on the other hand, we believe that this cannot be left to private companies by themselves, government programs by themselves, the U.S. by itself or Europe by itself. It has to be an international effort, and it has to combine the multiple disciplines. And so IEEE took, took the initiative of creating this activity, um, having um, summits to define the specific details of what it entails. And now we are together at the first open conference, the International Conference on Rebooting Computing. We clearly have to go beyond the previous solutions, making devices smaller, sticking with CMOS, or having parallel uh, parallel core processors run. That that's not going to cut it. So therefore, we may need new technologies. Uh, as an example, it could be optical technologies. It could be superconducting technologies, where you have cryogenic devices different from semiconductors, different kind of transistors going forward. And then it can be, as one of the pillars or one of the activities being pursued, what's called neuromorphic computing. Basically, let's look at the brain, which is an amazingly efficient uh, computer that does so many things. And what do we need to do to learn how the brain operates and try to emulate it, brain-inspired computing? So those are just what some examples. Uh, on the other hand, um, when you look at uh, power dissipation, which is really the key issue now, if you want to create a new data center you just and have it be exponentially larger than the existing ones, you just can't afford the power it's going to consume. Um, so when you look at energy efficiency, uh, that has prompted people to go back and look at the fundamentals. What causes the energy dissipation in a single operation? And in looking at those fundamentals, people are now coming up with completely new um, uh, uh, paradigms for what the characteristics of a physical switch should be. Now, some of this is theoretical. They talk about Boltzmann constant and KT and that energy. Uh, but then beyond that, they go towards how can we find a physical model, a material that can realize that. And so that, that has prompted the search for completely new devices that don't exist yet to try to achieve this kind of uh, extremely high energy efficiency, low power consumption for, for the devices. My answer is going to be inevitably biased. I spent my, my life research in superconducting electronics. And right now, uh, uh, it is certainly looked at as a very uh, credible solution to, having, to building supercomputers that are 10, maybe even 20 times more efficient than computers that could be built with today's technology. And that would be a very definitive answer and a good solution for the large computing platforms. The superconducting electronics is based on using superconducting materials, which have to be cooled to very low temperatures, close to absolute zero, usually liquid helium temperatures, so 4 Kelvin. And the, it has been known since they were discovered that they have the potential of producing very high-efficiency computing platforms. And even, even though you have to take into account the overhead 
of the cooling that you need to provide. Now, this is extremely low, low temperature cooling and is very inefficient. Even when you factor that in, the combined energy dissipation has the potential to be 10 to 20 times lower than the best projection for current technology. That's what excites me, and um, it is something that's been pursued at various times. In the 70s, IBM had a huge project for making a Josephson computer, which they pursued for a number of years, and then they abandoned because Moore's Law was really thriving, and they determined that the alternate technology is moving fast enough, that, uh, and they were running through some materials problems, that it was a smart decision at the time. This, it was not, hadn't reached its time. It was not its time yet. But now, with the limitations and the end of Moore's Law, um, not only certain companies, but the U.S. government in particular uh, has decided this has to be brought back. And there are there is a major program from an agency called IARPA, called C3 program, Cryogenic Computing Complexity, which is trying to develop the feasibility of that technology. And in parallel with that, private companies are also looking at it very closely and investing themselves in trying to be ready for that plan. So this is the solution that excites me personally. It is not necessarily the only solution that's going to succeed. Um, I hope it succeeds, and it will succeed definitely for the large computing platforms, data centers, supercomputers, exascale level computing. Um, besides that, uh, the adiabatic computing, where you try to achieve the fundamental limit of efficiency for a given computation, is being pursued. And uh, one possibility there is quantum computing. Uh, quantum computing, um, if you asked me five or six or ten years ago, uh, was very early on and was looked at as extremely far-fetched and one of my uh, colleagues, who unfortunately passed away now, uh, was working at IBM, was an expert in this. At the time, when you, if you were to ask him, and he, I asked him, he told me it's a 50-50 proposition, and he told me by that I mean that in 50 years, there's a 50% chance it might amount to anything. If, if he were alive today, I don't think he would say that, because people have made amazing advances in increasing the coherence time for quantum circuits, and this is a, a metric for how stable they are and what they can do. And similar to classical superconducting electronics, quantum computing is witnessing a significant amount of investment by Google, by Microsoft, by many giants, which inevitably is going to lead to something. And uh, the difference there is it is likely not necessarily going to be a general purpose computer, but a special applications type computer, but those are also needed as well. Uh, now those are two things I'm somewhat familiar with, but there are other approaches also. I mentioned neuromorphic computing, brain-inspired computing. I'm not an expert in that, but I know there's lots of activities going on there as well. Right now the difficulty is it can't really emulate the brain well. It takes much more power and much more time to execute the functions of the brain, but that can change. Inventions, creativity, and that's what rebooting computing is hoping to achieve, to spawn the creativity that's going to make these things happen. Thank you for listening to our interview with Elite Track. Discover more about the IEEE Rebooting Computing Initiative and listen to other podcasts in this series by visiting our web portal at rebootingcomputing.ieee.org.